All right, hello everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and you're not confused. It is Tuesday, not Thursday. We are on a doing a bonus episode in honor of Women's History Month. Uh, we thought, what better way to uh, celebrate that than have Rosalind Reisner on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Rosalind, tonight. We appreciate you taking the time for us. My pleasure. And uh, Rosalind is an editor, and you're also involved with uh, WNBA, the Women in, Women's National Book Association. Right. Um, so I, there's just a ton of options. I, I was reading your biography um, earlier today, and um, and you are you? I read that you split your time between um, New York and New Jersey. So where are you right now? I'm in New York. Nice. I, don't for the journey, so. <laughs> I loved in your um, biography that you wrote that you ended up in the state that New Yorkers love to scorn because it is so true. But yes. I, I, I love New Jersey. That's that's where we're from. Oh, well, we live down near the shore. And so what could be better? Oh, absolutely. Nice. And of course, I, I didn't mean to. I wasn't forgetting about you, Diane. I'm sorry. <laughs> Diane oh, is with us as well. I'm omnipresent on the podcast. It's OK. <laughs> I just kind of dove right into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is what happens when we do the interview a little earlier in the week. I'm a little fresher. <laughs> so like a good thing. Right. And it's it's a little earlier. Usually when I'm on the East Coast, we, we go on at eleven. So that hour difference, that hour earlier, really kind of helps me out a little bit. So I guess we can just really jump right into it. I, I know. Uh, how did you first get involved with the WNBA? Well, we moved to New York about 12 years ago, and I was I really wanted to get involved with something in the city that included literary stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I was a librarian for many years and had become an author as well, and I wanted to find some community, a literary community. And in kind of searching around on the internet, the WNBA popped up and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And I began to go to a couple of events and I decided that this was the organization that I wanted to get involved with. And so my last job as a librarian, I had been running a lot of programs for libraries, training and professional development programs. And so I began running programs for the WNBA, author, setting up author panels and all kinds of programs. And I met a lot of interesting people and made friends and it was really a wonderful experience. And when the centennial came up um, and the planning began about three years ago, I knew that I really wanted to get involved with the centennial. It just seemed so exciting. And so I was offered the chance to be the editor of this book and ended up doing a lot of the writing as well. And it was really a labor of love. We're an all volunteer organization. So you really have to want to do this um, right. to do it. <laughs> Absolutely, and we can totally relate to that because this wine, women, and words this is the show. That's like it's like our baby. It's, it's our love child. Yes, yes. I'm sure. Our love child. <laughs> Not to no, sound creepy at all. Our relationship just went to the next level of creepy. I, I took it there. I it's <laughs> covering at this level, and now I just pushed it over the edge. You just really took it. I mean, as it is, we talk to each other more than we talk to our own husbands. So it's. <laughs> 
It's okay. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really so, great to be part of an organization that has been around for a hundred years. Um, yes. It's crazy to think about. I just I joined the organization last year and became a board member for the LA chapter this year. Oh, great. Yeah. And it's there's so much history in the organization. Do you get to cover some of that in the book itself? Yes. Um, you know, the WNBA was founded in 1917, which was before women had the vote. But it was an era, it was the progressive era, and there was a lot of interest in social reform. So this was all in the air. And women who didn't have a lot of opportunity in regular careers really got involved in all kinds of social reform and civil rights projects. And I think in 1917, this was in the air for these women. And in fact, the impetus for the organization's forming was because the American Booksellers Association was all male at that time and wouldn't admit women. Uh, so <laughs> a group of women booksellers got together and said, well, we can form our own organization. Um, and they did in the fall of 1917. And then two years later, of course, the ABA came and said, do you want to merge with us? <laughs> I said, no, thanks. We're doing just fine on our own. <laughs> so it's a great story. Um, and we wanted, we wanted to include that in the book. And actually, the impetus for the book was because at the 50th anniversary and the 75th, there had been histories written, and we thought, how can we let the centennial go by without writing another history? Um, but we didn't want it to be just a history of the organization. We felt we had something really important to contribute. And so the book really covers women in four areas uh, from colonial times to the present as writers, as journalists, um, as editors, and, and in the publishing world and other positions, and booksellers and librarians plus the WNBA history. So it's a, it's a wonderful overview of how women changed the cultural landscape despite the obstacles that they faced from colonial times on up. How fascinating, I love, I love that because you don't see in history books and it, as much women represented and in, across industries. Yes. Really the representation is such an issue. And so having that all in one book is really neat. Um, was there any stories that in particular um, that you found most interesting or surprising? There are wonderful stories. Um, there's a story, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of them. Um, there's a wonderful story about a librarian out on the West Coast. Uh, she was in San Diego, I believe, Clara Estelle Breed, who was very upset in during the beginning of World War II when the Japanese were interned in camps and she had been a children's librarian and worked with a lot of children and she was very concerned for them. How were they going to survive this? What, was, what were they going to think about the United States and about themselves? And so she went down to the station on the days that they were leaving and she gave them postcards addressed to herself. And she said, please write to me. And she kept up correspondence with many of them. She wanted to hear what they were reading, what they were feeling, what they were doing. And she became, over the years, friends with many of them. And they felt that she was an anchor for them back to the real world. That was a really wonderful story. Yeah. Um, and there was a children's book written about her, um, which, which tells that story. And 
there are lots of other stories um, thinking about children's literature. You know, there was a, were a lot of years before, let's say, World War One, when children's literature was pretty awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a, very, a lot of a lot of very moralistic, a lot of series books, um, and people began to think in the late 19 teens that there could be better literature for children, and so a number of things came together. Uh, Children's Book Week was created in 1919, and then in 1921, the Newbery Medal was created. And so that became an impetus for publishers to find good books for children and develop good authors. And so the publishers uh, decided, well, maybe we need to have departments of books for boys and girls with editors. But because women weren't considered good enough to be editors of adult books, we'll give them these departments. Hmm. Um, and so the first editors of children's books were women and they were fabulous women. And they are the ones who bought uh, the Little House on the Prairie series, who developed um, Maurice Sendak and his wonderful books, who worked with authors and illustrators and really changed the landscape of children's books. And it wasn't really until the 1930s when publishers realized that these backlists or a tremendous source of income from them. These books were perennial. They aren't like the bestsellers in the adult world today, yeah. which are here today and gone tomorrow, many of them. We're still reading Little House on the Prairie. We're still reading you know, Wild Things. Um, and so it's women over the years who develop these books and who are responsible for the wonderful children's literature that we have. And that wow. story was a revelation to me. I, that I is, yeah, I mean, you yeah. see so much silence on, on from them, they're the unseen heroes of the literary world. Yes. And so it's so exciting to see this um, in the book. And we failed to um, mention that for those of you who sign up for our newsletter, you'll be entered in to win your own copy of the book. Yes. Which is exciting. Now, if I sign up for our own newsletter, can I be entered to win? <laughs> no, you don't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else can qualify, but Michelle, I'm sorry, you can't qualify for that. That's okay. Well, I think our publisher is going to have a contest on Goodreads, you know, mm. offering five copies. So you could sign up for that one. There you go, Michelle. You could sign up for the Goodreads one. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> now, and just um, switching gears, I, I definitely still want to um, talk about the book, but I had a quick question. I, I'm really fascinated by your experience as a librarian. Um, a few months ago, and this is kind of what it reminded me of, we read a book called The Book of Speculation, um, which was all centered, the main character was a librarian, and it was kind of, the story began at a point where he was uh, being phased out of the library and how, you know, it was a small library, you didn't have a lot of funding, but I just, starting with that book and you kind of reignited my interest, I think librarians are such, such an important staple to society and to, to schools and to people in general. What, what, is your, what was your experience as a librarian? I think libraries are an incredible value for our society. You know, if you go into a library today in an urban area, um, it's filled with people who come to use the computers, but they haven't got access at home. They're filling out job applications. They're self-educating. It's just a wonderful service 
that we offer. And I always loved working in public libraries for that reason. You felt you were really helping people. Um, you know, when, when I started working, there was you know, computers that just were not around and people would come in with real significant information needs. And you always felt so good helping them out. People would come to the reference desk and sometimes they would cry because they had just come from the doctor's office and needed additional information about something that was troubling them. Um, and students who were eager to find the resources for papers. I always loved working at the reference desk. But in the, the last few years of my career, I got involved with something called Reader's Advisory Service, which helps librarians answer the question, can you recommend a good book? <laughs> or, <laughs> I just read this, who else writes like that? And that's, that's a pretty daunting question because you don't know if what you like is what this other person likes or what it is that they really liked about this book that they just read. Mm -hmm. So this field has developed to help librarians have conversations with people about the books they like and to try to elicit what it is they like about books that they read so they can recommend books uh, successfully. And so that was a really interesting um, aspect of the last part of my career. And I wrote two books in that field, kind of guides for readers, one to Jewish American literature and one to memoirs. Um, that was a lot of fun. Oh, I think that's, that's a core service to me of the library. It's a place where people can come and talk about books. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I love that there was a program created specifically to help recommend books because I mean even when friends ask like Diana and me you know I need a good book what what's a good book to read like how do you really answer that question yeah and you know you go to the library and there are all those shelves and of fiction how do you know how do you begin where do you start mm -hmm. so this helps people you know have librarians need to publicize that these conversations are okay Mm -hmm. You can ask the librarian and, and get an answer. And I love the librarians at my library because um, I go there on my lunch break, and because it was right around the corner from my office. And it's a you know um, public library, and yeah, they've really become community centers. Where I know at least mine, um, my two local ones, because there's one by my house that I'll go to, and then there's one over by my office. And like you said, there's the computers, there's classes. Mm -hmm. There's, I know Michelle always does the story time with the kids um, as much as possible. Um, and yeah, that's, I love libraries. I always want to try to promote libraries and whatnot. Um, so Michelle, did you have another question? Uh, I did. And I know that you have, you, the book that you've written, you've written about um, Jewish history as well. Um, how is our, are you Jewish or how did the, the research begin for, for that as well? Well, the that came to me um, via email. <laughs> um, the publisher was looking for someone to write a book on Jewish American literature for a kind of a reader's guide as part of a series. And I was on a listserv of Jewish librarians. And so this query was posted and I thought, hmm, that sounds very interesting. I had been a librarian at my synagogue for many years, and so I knew a lot about Jewish literature, particularly fiction. And so I responded to the query, and they asked for a writing sample, and we talked about what the book might be like. 
And I went ahead and did it. it. Took me about four years. It was quite a piece of work, but it was so interesting. Um, wow! And when you begin that, I mean, that's a very that's a substantial uh, subject to take on. I mean, even yes. you know the women in um, in literature topic. How do you start? You know, you you take the idea and it and it's such a vast idea. What is your process of? whittling down the specific topics or people that you want to highlight in your book? Well, I realized that I had to concentrate on American literature, Jewish literature, because otherwise it would be too entirely too big. Um, and fiction primarily, although I did include some biography and autobiography in it. Um, and then you just start, I started looking at best lists. I just started compiling lists and lists of books and I annotated um, over 700 books for the book and made connections between authors. It was, it was wow. it took a long time. <laughs> and there was a point at which I said to my husband, I don't think I'm ever gonna finish this. And he said, you will finish. <laughs> and I had to assign myself <laughs> tasks in order to get it done, but it was, it was wonderful to work on it. Um, and I started giving talks about how American Jewish history is very pleasantly learned through reading novels and memoirs, much better than reading history books. And I think it's true for all kinds of history to read those personal accounts and historical fiction is really a wonderful way to learn history. <laughs> fiction, that's my genre. Yes. That's, that, um, I just finished writing a book that's in in historical fiction and yeah I, I read that all the time that's my genre of choice so yay historical fiction but it's so true and um you know picking onto that I think with the difference between a history book and historical fiction is that you put yourself in um more of a sympathetic mindset with the characters in the book um they find that people who read fiction are more empathetic towards other people and they they're have a tendency to be a bit more caring and i think with historical fiction you get that plus the history and a more understanding of another culture and other people and things in history um now to transition this a little bit i want to everybody as michelle and i mentioned people ask you know what should i read um, I want to know when you, when somebody asks you that, what kind of things do you take into consideration? Um, well, I always ask them what, um, uh, what books they've enjoyed recently or what mm -hmm. books they've read they haven't liked, um, and try to elicit from them what it is about those books that they liked or didn't. Did they, there's a wonderful librarian, um, who set up these appeal characteristics. Um, and so you kind of base your conversations on that uh, plot, character, setting, writing, people, books appeal to readers in certain ways. I know that for myself, I really like a book that focuses on character. I don't have to feel that, that it's a plot driven novel and I have to keep turning the pages quickly. I enjoy <laughs> those novels too, but my, what I'm mainly looking for is character and plot isn't all that important but lots of other people look for other things. Um, and so you wanna hear from the description someone gives you of a book, what it is they liked about it. You know, I stayed up late reading it because it was so compelling or the characters just 
seemed to step off the page. They were so lifelike, or the writing was so beautiful or so humorous, or I really loved learning about such and such in reading a book. That's a lot of the, the joy of historical fiction that you enjoy learning about another era. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people like to learn about some a setting, a book is, is set somewhere in a place they haven't been, or maybe they have been, they like reading about it. Or maybe it's a certain profession. Um, I know I've been reading these mysteries that are set in Ireland and England. And the last one I read, there was a lot of information about um, the scotch, the malt whiskey industry. It was very interesting. And a lot of people like that. They want to learn something mm-hmm. uh, when they read. So you have you start hearing when people describe a book to you what it is they like or don't like. Um, and then you try to make some, some suggestions. And because of this reader's advisory movement, there are a lot of books that librarians have at their disposal that discuss different authors and their style and make connections. If you liked this author, maybe you would like that author for these reasons. And so that that's very helpful. Um, and librarians have to tell people, you know, this is just my best guess as to what you'd like. You know, if, if you didn't like it, come back and tell me. I won't be insulted. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll try another approach. And that's the wonderful thing about libraries, too. If you don't like the book, you can return it without a penalty. Yes. So great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I take a lot of books out of the library, and um, the staff always look at me. You know, I carry out piles of books, but I don't read them all. I'm looking for the, the two or three in that pile that I really want to read, and I'll try the rest, and, you know, they get returned. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's yeah, the benefit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They don't look at you weird when you return the book. No. <laughs> Unless it's a really, really good book and you've got a scowl on your face, then you might get a weird look. But, you know, it's more probably coming from a librarian, it's probably more of a curious look, um, wanting to know why you didn't like it. It's almost like you're um, a literary psychologist. Right, right. That's, that's, a good, that's a good way to express it. Literary psychologist. I like that. <laughs> So I should say that there were several writers on this WNBA book that uh, Doris Weatherford uh, wrote a big chunk of the history. She's a real wonderful women's historian. Um, and I filled in a lot of material. Um, and Valerie Tomaselli also did some of the writing. She's also a publisher. And so um, I was very confident because we were working with Valerie who knows the publishing process. The book would get done and it would get published. That was very important. And the book, <laughs> also consists in a small part of the WNBA history itself. Mm -hmm. Um, The chapters and also the various things that we've done over the years, all the the work we've done with literacy projects and so on. So it's, the book is a hybrid. Most of it is history of women in the literary landscape um, with a special interest in book selling. And then the rest is uh, the WNBA history. And what I discovered was that no one had put all of this together in one place. You can find histories of different aspects, but not all in one place. So that was very rewarding to feeling, to thinking that we're making a real contribution. Yeah, it is. It's a really great resource uh, for people when they're doing research and just that to know and to have, because um, these women's stories should not be forgotten. Uh, what was it like working with that many women? How many were together? Uh, well, um, I didn't meet Doris until last week. Oh, wow. 
completely via email and I think one phone call. So that was, you know, in this day and age, that's perfectly fine. Um, you're in communication all the time. Um, what was what was really interesting was going back to the WNBA archives, which are housed at Columbia University, and the archives go back to the very first meeting of, of the WNBA. These women were determined and very savvy. And so there are minutes from that very first meeting, and you can see how, how times have changed because a lot of the minutes from those early meetings, let's say the first even 20, 30 years, are verbatim. There must have always been someone to take who knew stenography oh, wow. to take down those minutes and type them up. I thought that was really a flashback, <laughs> you know, to early times. Yeah, um, and no how neat. And it was we were just laughing at our board meeting because we were putting um, a number of our newsletters into the archive and uh, the WMBA LA chapter has been around for 10 years. And we're like, oh, how neat. You know, I've got these newsletters going back 10 years. What a treat. But that is just a drop in the pan <laughs> in comparison yes. to these minutes over 100 years ago, over 100, yeah. almost over 100 years ago now. Honey, and then to be able to see how they talked and just that having right. that actual history in your hands is that's such a treasure. I'm actually kind of jealous of you right now for being able to see that. <laughs> well, if you come to New York, we can we can go to Columbia together and you can see it. But you know, when these women started, they didn't know how long the organization would be around. So in the same way, LA chapter could be around for a hundred years. <laughs> so it is important you know, to keep those minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And it is a date. But next time I am in New York City, we will go there. Just fly through Chicago and pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> We will make a plan. And I guess I have to start the Chicago chapter so I can get Chicago on on the map and start building up the minutes from 2018. <laughs> yes, there was a Chicago chapter for many years, uh, a very vibrant chapter. And so we need to revitalize it. We need to have another one. I know. I've. I've um, I found the W. I, I don't. I don't remember if Diana found it and told me about it, or I found it and told her you about found it. it and told me about it. Because that's how um, the every year the WNBA does a short story contest. And that's how I found out about WNBA because Michelle found it and she was like, oh, you need to write a short story. And it was like within weeks of the contest and you should enter it in. And so Definitely. I quickly, that's that's yeah. plenty of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so of course I was like, sure, I'll do it. Uh, who knows? And I did it and um, I whipped one up and threw it in and then I was like, this organization is pretty interesting. And my gosh, it's been around for so long. And I was excited about the LA chapter with, you know, the, we have literary teas for the LA chapter and we do, um, you know, different author readings and there's always just something going on. And next thing you know, um, the more I get more and more involved and as of January, I'm on the board. So it's a great organization that's national organization yes and it's just so neat to know that i mean the, that women ha have been working behind the scenes like not not many people mainstream probably know that this organization has been around for so long and they have influenced so many things in you know aspects of the literary world as we know it but 
a society may not know that the the women that were behind it and pushing it forward. Right. We so. starting around 1930, we gave out an award called the um, was originally called the Constance Lindsay Skinner Award in memory of one of the board members, um, and now it's just called the WNBA Award, and it was given to some really amazing women, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, Rachel Carson, um, lots of really neat people. Um, Nancy Pearl, we gave it out to um, Amy King, who was involved with Vita that does the, the count. If you know about the, they do the count of how many women are, women's books are reviewed and how many women are book reviewers mm -hmm. in all kinds of uh, journals and newspaper book sections and so on. Uh, it's a really interesting project. It's Vida, V-I-D-A. You can um, we're gonna have on to the website. It. It'll show, <laughs> yeah, it'll show you the <laughs> <laughs> story of how we need more women reviewers and women's books reviewed. Um, so we've done things to kind of highlight the contributions that women make, um, you know, in the book and literary world. And we also give out the Pinnell, WNBA Pinnell Award, which goes to a bookstore every year that serves children, a children's bookstore and then a general bookstore that serves children. Because we said, you know, literacy is very important. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so neat. <laughs> well, I know it uh, looks like we are just about at our, our time. So, but thank you so much, Rosalind, for coming on to, to talk to us about this. It was all so interesting then we're gonna have to go out and pick up the book so we can learn more because because it's book was supposed to have arrived by now so i apologize i have not gotten my book yet so i'm still waiting on my book but for those of you who have not gotten your book yet you can sign up uh for our newsletter and try to win one uh you can wait for the goodreads um contest to try to win one and i know for the women in the literary landscape it's available on Amazon.com. And then, Rosalind, do you know of any other places where it's available? Yes, uh, bn.com. Um, it's available directly from the publisher. So if you go to Amazon or BN and search on the title, it will come up. Mm -hmm. um, so you can order it that way or from the publisher. I know um, a couple of women on the board have bought multiple copies of the book. Um, <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think between our board, I think we've bought about... 30 copies um, from board members who picked, just picked up multiple copies of it. Um, so I'm excited to get my hands on a co my copy. And, you should uh, get it soon. Yes, I. It's because it, it just came out, was it last week? Yes, it was March 15th was the mm -hmm. pub date. Yes, yeah, so. so how exciting. And and that was International, International Women's Day? Yes. Yeah. It was. What a great day for that to come out. Yeah. Did you guys we type that or was it just coincidence? <laughs> well, everyone, keep reading um, The Lost Season of Love and Snow. That is our book of the month um, by Jennifer Lamb. Um, and we will be back on Thursday uh, for our regular full hour episode. Yes, and we will be joined by Beverly Jenkins. Um, who will be talking to us about her GoFundMe page that, um, where she's trying to get a movie off the ground based on one of her books. Great. Thank, Thank you very much. Anyone. This Thank was great. Thank you so much, Rosalind. It was wonderful having you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye.